0: when they're trapped between the Red Sea and the armies, just stand where you are and watch your rescue come from the Lord. And that's how we fight our battles. We fight our battles by placing every minute into God's hands. And Jesus is definitely facing a battle in our scripture today. And for Lent, we're going to be really kind of talking about the weapons of spiritual warfare. We call those spiritual disciplines. So um, we're going to start with Luke chapter 4, 1 through 15. It is the normal passage for the beginning of Lent as Jesus goes into the wilderness and is tempted. So please be attentive. Try to listen to it as if the- This is the first time you've heard it. Sometimes it's hard to hear anything new because, oh, we know that story. So please listen as though this is the first time you're hearing this story. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. To protect you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone Jesus answered him it is said do not put the Lord your God to the test when the devil had finished every test he departed from him until an opportune time then Jesus filled with the power of the Spirit returned to Galilee and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. The word of God for the people of God. So take a moment and answer the question. Who is the holiest person you know? Or maybe another way to put it would be, who is the person who is living or has lived their lives most like we believe Jesus wants us to live? Think about that for a second. Some answers that I might give are Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, St. Francis of Assisi, Teresa of Avila, and maybe even Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They were ordinary people before anyone called them holy, and I'm pretty sure none of them would have seen themselves as anything extraordinary. So what was it about them that makes them holy? I believe each one of them was shaped into what we call holiness by the practice of spiritual disciplines in their lives. And what are spiritual disciplines? They are practices meant to promote spiritual growth and deepen our relationship with God in some way. And there are quite a few we can name, like fasting, prayer, study, meditation, worship, and there are others. The people we identify as holy began as ordinary people. But we're slowly and methodically transformed by God through the practice of spiritual disciplines. Now, in the world today, there seems to be a real lack of concern for these disciplines. We, for the most part, have lost the connection with these holy practices. And the result, in my opinion anyway, is a prominence of shallow faith. Many of us can feel like we're living in a spiritual desert. And I believe down deep in every human heart is a longing for something more, a deeper meaning to life, an experience of God that helps us see beyond the shallowness of our day-to-day lives and help us live more fully in the world. Yet the very practices that can move us into that something deeper, something beyond this life, are readily available. But we don't teach them or practice them. Up to the time of the Middle Ages, spiritual disciplines were a very real part of being a follower of Jesus Christ, and somewhere along the line, we stopped thinking of these disciplines as necessary or even practical for Christian life. Yet, we feel a call to go deeper, to come out of the desert. We long to know and experience the love of God and find that oasis for our souls that we can have truly, truly have peace, like a river. Now, throughout his life on earth, Jesus showed us, by example, the necessity of these spiritual disciplines in developing a closer relationship with our creator. He practices every spiritual discipline as though they are part of the air he breathes, as though they were necessary to do the work that he came to do, and I believe it's true. Without his practice of those spiritual disciplines, he wouldn't have had the strength and courage to face his accusers and walk to the cross. He wouldn't have had that inner connection to God that allowed him to raise the dead, feed the thousands, heal the sick, and perform the miracles he was able to do. In his humanness, Jesus needed to stay connected to God, his Father, and the Spirit, the source of his power. He shows us the way to go deeper, to be made new, to be transformed through the power of the Spirit and come out of our spiritual deserts. And the way is through these sacred practices modeled by Christ himself. So for Lent, we will be looking at some of the spiritual disciplines, and we are not trying to become holier than thou, someone that will someday call us holy too. But the goal is to move out of the shallows of our faith, come out of our spiritual deserts, and go deeper in our relationship with our Creator. We practice them to allow the Holy Spirit to do her work of transformation. And I know these practices have changed me, changed my relationship with God, and continue to do so each and every day. So my prayer is that you will engage and connect with one or more of these holy practices as we journey through Lent, so that you too will be drawn to go deeper, to find that oasis for your soul as the living water of Jesus Christ fills you and makes you new. Now, the spiritual discipline we will consider this morning is fasting. And since the word fasting can be used for a plethora of things nowadays, let's define fasting in the biblical sense, before we get started. Fasting is the intentional abstention from eating food. When you are fasting, you are not eating anything that could be seen as food. The fasting means only drinking water for the duration of the fast. The fast is the actual event of the time frame of not eating. Now, fasting, as we are talking about it, is a spiritual discipline designed to help us grow closer to God. In recent years, fasting has become a tool for weight loss and other physical or health benefits, and although they are good endeavors and worthy, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. It could be a possible good benefit, but we're not worried about that. What we're talking about is an act of intentional practice in order to grow spiritually so we engage in any spiritual discipline because we desire to encounter god more fully more deeply and we understand this practice will give us that opportunity our practice of spiritual disciplines is an act of faith and worship Every spiritual discipline is designed to put us in the presence of God in ways we don't usually encounter in our normal everyday lives. Like Moses, turning aside and going to see that bush that appeared to be on fire but not really burning up. In practicing spiritual disciplines, we turn aside from the world around us and gaze in God's direction. Each spiritual discipline has the ability to turn us towards God in a way that God can meet us and transform us. Now, in scripture, many pillars of our faith practiced fasting in order to connect with God. Moses fasts while he receives the commandments from God on Mount Sinai. David fasts when his newborn child lay dying, trying to intercede for him. Esther calls a fast, When she needs strength and courage to face the king daniel fasts in protest for the food that they have been given in captivity the people of nineveh fasted sorrow for their sins praying that god will not destroy them paul fasts for three days after his encounter with jesus but most importantly jesus fasted in our scripture today the very first act that Jesus performs after his baptism, before his ministry even starts, is to fast for 40 days in the wilderness. Now, we often talk about this passage and the temptations he encounters here, what they mean, how Jesus answered the devil, and even how we can use the word of God to overcome temptation. But we don't really talk about the fasting part of this story. We don't really consider why he fasted. Or what that really meant, other than that he was really hungry at the end of it, and Satan uses his hunger to tempt him. But it's quite clear. He was there for 40 days. And scripture says he ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. Of course, who wouldn't be? So why did he do it? What, was he trying to prove something? Well, not only can I defeat the devil, but I can do it when my body is racked with hunger. Mm-mm. We see hunger as a weakness, don't we? Something that makes us vulnerable, an easy target. I know when I'm hungry, I'm more irritable, and I can't seem to think clearly. But this doesn't seem to be the case for Jesus. So is he just a superhuman since he's fully human but also fully divine? Is he using his divine powers to resist, showing us what he can do because he's divine and we're not? No, I don't believe that. I believe Jesus is showing us the reason fasting is a necessary practice in the Christian life in this story he is fully human fully tempted in every way just like every other human being on the planet scripture tells us that he is showing us fasting is a weapon not a weakness Fasting is key to how he overcomes temptation, how he puts himself in the presence of God and goes deep into his relationship in order to overcome the schemes of the devil. And this weapon is available for each one of us. So let's talk about it. Intentional fasting is first and foremost an act of self-denial. Now I want you to think about this. As Americans, we enjoy the good life. Three meals a day, snacks when we want them, even with all our supply chain issues. We expect it. It's what's normal for us, even though in some places, most places all around the world, one meal a day is what they expect and actually get. Food is our comfort, our privilege. And many times we can't even begin to understand what it's like to go without it. We certainly wouldn't do it on purpose, This spiritual discipline can remind us that not everyone has the same privilege. And we can, for a moment in time, know how it feels to be hungry. Even if we don't get anything else from fasting, our level of compassion for those who don't have access to food on a regular basis will definitely grow. But through fasting, God also reveals things about the way about us that we may not see any other way fasting reveals things that control us for one thing fasting quickly reveals our food addictions we find ourselves craving things like chocolate and sweets bread and pasta we find our bodies trying to get rid of our caffeine and other legal addictions But we know that a lot of people, including me, are stress and comfort eaters. We use food to make us feel better, to try to distract us from our anxieties. And when eating food is not an option, we can find ourselves digging deep to deal with those issues in other ways. Maybe turning to God instead of food because that's kind of what fasting is all about. We deny ourselves, we go without, and we put ourselves in God's hands, trusting that he will provide, that he will protect, and that God is truly all we need. And when we fast on a regular basis, we find inner strength that comes from a deeper connection to God as we turn from self-sufficiency to our reliance on God for our needs. As Jesus tells Satan, one does not live by bread alone. Fasting is how we live out that statement and discover its truth. So how do we fast? Well, I have practiced fasting since 2007 when I went to licensing school. One of my teachers there fasted twice a week like John Wesley always did. He sat at lunch with us one day chatting away like nothing was going on, only drinking water, and it intrigued me. And how I have fasted over the years has changed, but currently I fast from lunch Tuesday to lunch Wednesday. And if you begin this practice, you may want to take it slow. Fast one meal a week for the first few weeks. Get into it. (laughs) You, you can wean yourself into it. You can take the time that you would normally spend eating and spend time with God reading scripture or in prayer, taking a walk, connecting with God in some way. Now, I will avoid fasting when I might be in the company of others for a meal, unlike my teacher way back when. I don't want to have to explain what I'm doing. I will fast another time. And this is my response to Matthew 6, 18, 19, where Jesus says, when you fast, now, I'm stopping there, notice he doesn't say, if you fast, but when you fast. That's another clue, it's an expected practice, not just a suggestion. (laughs) Do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward we don't fast to appear holier than thou but to connect with christ the bread of life and the living water for our soul see when jesus was in the desert he fasted he spent 40 days connecting with his true source of power the only one who could give him the strength he needed to overcome the evil one And it became his greatest weapon because he drew on the power of God inside of him to overcome that temptation. And I have found through the practice of fasting that I do have a deeper connection to my Savior. I find that intentionally turning aside from my reliance on food and allowing the Spirit to feed my soul instead, I do have greater peace in my soul. There have been times I've felt the strength to overcome temptation and withstand challenges in my spiritual life because this is a spiritual discipline and how we fight our battles. I love that song. This is how we fight our battles. And I believe that experience is waiting for you too. Jesus tells the disciples one day that he has food to eat they do not know about. And he tells them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work even as he fasted he really did not go hungry his connection to god gave him strength and nourishment for his body so that he could do the work god sent him to do and that's true for each one of us as well fasting is food for the soul strength for the journey a weapon against temptation And from the practice of the spiritual discipline, you will find rivers of living water in that spiritual desert as we experience the love of God in new and deeper ways. And through fasting, we may temporarily go without, but what we gain from a deeper relationship with God is a greater treasure. When Jesus came out of the desert, those last two verses, he began his ministry filled with power. And I don't believe he would have found that power without fasting. Jesus calls us by example to fast. So it's time for all of us to come out of the desert, to take the step to begin fasting. See what God can do within you as you intentionally go without and discover the food that feeds your soul and gives you strength to do all things through Christ. It does take discipline, but the rewards are great. And you will gain so much from going without food that no one knows anything about but you. And it will feed your soul and give you the power to do all things through Christ.